Hey, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Kellen and Alex Show. This podcast was recorded October 24th, 2019. In this edition of the podcast, we talk about the homeschooling debate that happened at Franciscan University, sponsored by the Veritas Society, and the motion whether homeschooling was inferior to traditional schooling. It was quite a heated debate, a really fun debate. We break it down, talk about homeschooling, education, all sorts of stuff. We also get into the Amazon Synod, which was just recently concluding. So sit back and enjoy this edition of the Kellen and Alex Show. All right. Welcome, everybody, to WFRSCC 88.3. I'm Kellen Lake, and I'm with Alex Den Lee. And we're going to have a raging podcast tonight. We're going to start off with the most previous Veritas Society debate, which was on, let's see, pu- uh, no, what? well, Public school was a part of it. What was the motion? Homeschooling. homeschooling. Uh, so the motion was this house believes that homeschooling is inferior to traditional schooling. Ooh. Right. And then after Veritas, we're going to hit up uh, some, some stuff about Hong Kong and some interesting facts. About some more developments, some uh, more developments. from our, our last podcast. <laughs> and, uh, and then also going back to the Amazon Synod, which is going to be concluding on Sunday. Uh, very controversial. Some pagan idols were... Stolen and thrown into the Tiber <laughs> River. So I love it. Blast. But yeah, for the first part of yeah the homeschooling debate. Um, well, you gave a speech for this one. I did. Cameraman came out and uh, gave an epic speech. Short yeah. but good. Yeah. So we had Dr. Bruninger and Dr. Ware. Um, Dr. B was for traditional schooling, and um, Dr. Ware was for homeschooling. Right. Um, along with Emma Van Such, Teresa Unlincott. And uh, it's fu- it's pretty funny because Doctor B gave the first speech, but uh, he homeschools all his kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like at the very beginning of his speech, he was he was saying, "Okay, how many of you in here are homeschooled?" Right? Like nearly everyone. <laughs> Probably ninety nine percent of the people raised their hands. It was a lot. And I was me and Mary Roach were like the only ones that didn't raise their hands. Yeah, there was a lot of homeschoolers at the debate. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, and he's like, I just want you to check your privilege at the door. <laughs> that was so great. That's how he at opened. the door. Yeah. <laughs> Leave That's, it at the door, Leave please. it at the door. That's how he opened up his speech. And, uh, and then like halfway through, he's like, and you may be thinking, you know, I'm saying all this stuff. And yes, I homeschool my five kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, the debate went really well. Uh, I thought we had pretty good on, on both sides. You know, there was... Yeah. It seemed like there was perhaps a little bit more speeches for the homeschooling side. Um, yeah, there was. Um, but still, there was like enough of speeches that were from public schooling or from Catholic schooling. I gave a speech basically saying we need to reclaim Catholic schools, and um, especially because yeah, a lot of them are secular now. Yeah, you said a lot of, well, coming where you're from too, from San Diego, where it's Catholic down there, but the schools are, you know, University of San Diego's by name Catholic. But they're not Catholic. Oh, very much not Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> right. <clears throat> very secular. Which is what I really hit on was, um, yeah, the, the church has said we need to have Catholic education and it should be available for all Catholics. That should be something we work for as in, in having in Catholic society is having right. kids raised up in the faith, you know, and raised up with, with Catholic education rather than, I mean, the whole idea of public school in general, right, that we get this kind of generic state fed education. I mean, education has virtue involved. It has like final end. What's the purpose of humanity? What's the purpose of education? Like, why are you learning in the first place? All these stuff in secular public schools, you know, you never get around to or you get fed really badly. uh, This type of stuff, right? 
uh, with a Catholic school, it's supposed to be you get brought up in the Catholic tradition. I mean, we, you know, we're the ones who really promulgated education as we have it, the right. university system, um, education for more and more people. Uh, so, like, having Catholics actually raise their kids in the Catholic tradition in a Catholic school. But the problem is a lot of Catholic schools now, uh, high schools, middle schools, even elementary schools, have fully adopted secularism, right? This idea that the church is supposed to stay in its own kind of area. And then education and like diversity and dialogue, that's like what we teach our kids at this point, right? It kind of started after Vatican II, actually, I believe before Vatican II, I don't know if you knew this, uh, Catholic schools were exclusive, meaning if you weren't Catholic, you were very much either barred from coming to the Catholic school I, or I, just I, really discouraged. I heard I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I and then it, it kind of switched. Um, I believe it's Gravitissimum Educationis. I, I could look it up. My, my Latin's terrible. You got good pronunciation. I was going to say gravitizio. What was the second one? <laughs> I, I, if, I, if I have it wrong, it's going to sound really stupid. Magnificat. Um, anyways, it was, the, it was the V2 document, Vatican II document on education. And they actually put a provision in there saying we could allow for um, Catholic schools to start including non-Catholics. I mean, in my perspective, it's kind of a, it's a bad move, right? Because yeah. it's supposed to be... Once you start including people who are not part of the Catholic tradition and they're not Catholic, and they don't believe the faith, there's already this kind of divide in the teaching. Um, especially when you think about it, like people who are secular or anti-religious or whatever else, like they're vocal. Most of them are pretty vocal, um, at least more vocal than the Catholics are, um, it seems like. And so you start letting those people into the Catholic schools. And it just starts changing the atmosphere. And then you, if you're going to allow different students, then why wouldn't you just allow teachers who right. are, yeah. are secular? You know, a lot of um, Catholic high schools, there's been a few who have um, had like teachers who are openly gay or who are supporting gay rights and all this stuff. Uh, some Jesuit high schools and other things. And like, I remember one occasion, this bishop was clashing with this Jesuit school and was threatening to take away their Catholic, you know, title. And they said, you know, we have the right to have a gay teacher who's openly gay at our Catholic school. Like, that's where we've gotten, right, in education. Um, and some people are like, oh, okay, that's progress. And it's like, no, it's not progress. It's degress. Um, <laughs> degress. At least in, the, in terms of, like, the faith and of the unity of the faith. Now, if you adopt secularism, that's progress, right? Because secularism has as its goal, like, let's completely <laughs> separate the church and morality from like education yeah so does it matter if you're a you know a gay person or a muslim or something else um yeah i, I was right it was gra uh, gravissimum educationis gravissimum yeah published in 1965 i believe part of this um yeah, they say all men of whatever race condition or age in virtue of their dignity as human persons have an inalienable right to education i don't know i thought that was a little strange i don't know if Everyone has an inalienable right. Maybe. I mean, in a general way, I guess. All um, men are born with certain and unalienable rights. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, they also say it's the parents who have given life to their children. On them lies the gravest obligation of educating their family. Um, and they should. Uh, the family is therefore the principal school of social virtues which are necessary to every society. And, uh, yeah, the parents need to, to make sure. Uh, here, here's a good quote. Education is, in a very special way, the concern of the church, not only because the church must be recognized as a human society capable of imparting education, 
but especially it has the duty of proclaiming the way of salvation to all men, of revealing the life of Christ to those who believe, and of assisting them with unremitting care so that they may be able to attain to the fullness of that life. That's that's pretty good, you know? Well, think about the cycle of life too, right? People learn from being educated, okay? Right. You grow up being educated. The church should have some sort of emphasis on education. I mean, look, because the people that grow up in the world that become the most brilliant people and the people that are making advancements in their lives are ones that are clearly educated. And if we can clearly educate people rooted in Christian values, then that's like a double, you know, like a, a double goodness there. Right. Um, yeah. The church, yeah, it has this, it has the duty to proclaim the way of salvation to all men of revealing the life of Christ to those who believe and of assisting them with unremitting care. So it's like, yes, I mean, in the education in the sense of we need to proclaim the gospel, we also need to like raise our kids in the faith and the values of the faith. And the church is a society that can, um, that, that is capable of imparting education. Uh-huh. Uh, the church as a mother is under an obligation, therefore, to provide for its children an education by virtue of which their whole lives may be inspired by the spirit of Christ. Now, the, the little switch that they kind of do here is they move on to saying, like, we have a duty to humanity in general as well. I think that emphasis ended up being a lot of the the reason for the switch after the council of inclusivity. We're going to start allowing non-Catholics into Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. We're going to start. Um, and once you start that kind of, you know, the Catholic Church is not only just educating Catholics and trying to raise them in the tradition, preserve the faith. And you start doing this whole like dialogue, you know, uh, game. It's you're kind of implicitly admitting secularism, right? Because you're saying, you know, Muslims or non-believers or atheists have something of of great value to say to Catholics, right? And so we need them to them to be educating our children, or we need, you know, children from these other religions to be in our schools so we can be inclusive and stuff. But that's does the church need that? <laughs> like, do we need that in our schools? So you think it was a mistake for Catholic schools to be, kind of start allowing more and more of not Catholic people to come into the school system? I mean, I think so. I, I can't say it's one to one. I mean, you, yeah. the secularism that's now in the Catholic schools is is pretty complete. I mean, at least where I am and all the places that I've been with Catholic schools, they're they tend to be more richy rich and kind of preppy. Right. But they're not. They're kind of once once again Catholic in name, semi identity mm. of Catholic. But are you going to find sound theology and people, you know, doing holy hours every day and, you know, masses filled? No. My sister went to uh, St. Francis High School in Sacramento, Catholic High School. That was that was actually pretty Catholic. I went there and the people were really nice and into their faith and stuff. Um, but yeah, I got a I got a good Catholic feel there. Um, I don't really know much about SoCal. NorCal's probably a little bit more Catholic than I would think SoCal. I mean. Of course, there's look the population of California is 40 million, and there's 10 million Catholics in California, so a quarter of the population is Catholic. Probably, I'd say around six million are devout. I'd give it six four. I'd give it six four mm-hmm. um, because a lot of the older generation is Catholic. I mean, at least my my family. But I mean, other than that, it's it's I don't know if it's fair to say that around the world the. Catholicism is diminishing 
I don't really know if that's fair to say, especially like in the education system, because I don't really think it is. But I think that there is still a lot of work that needs to be done to kind of get back like these Catholic schools that you were saying that are losing their faith, you know, that are becoming more. Uh, I don't know what the word you use, but more. Uh, what was the word you secular? Used? Secular. Yeah. 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 Modernist. I mean, you could substitute. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't really know the solution to getting that back. Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, the, it's, the it's going to take ideas. more than prayer. You know what I'm saying? It's going to, I mean, I mean, you know what yeah. I mean, but it's going to, prayer is a good thing, but it's going to take going out into the community. I don't even know how you do it, to be honest. Restore Catholic education? Restore, I don't know how you do it. I mean. Well, you have to preach the truth. I think that's one thing it, that's, that's, well, actually like teach the truth. <laughs> yeah. Preach it, teach it and yeah, live it out. And right. um, yeah, develop a real Catholic culture, yeah. which is. Which, you know, there's there's a lot of things that go into that. Who are you, who's at the school, right? Is it majority, 90% Catholics? Okay, do they, are, are the parents raising them in the faith, going to Mass every Sunday and praying the daily rosary? Like, is that happening? Because that really changes, that makes a big change, right? If you're, oh, yeah. if the families that are coming to your Catholic school, let's say it's a big Catholic school where, like a high school, where there's a lot of parishes around that they send their kids there, right? Well, you need everything to be encouraging of a Catholic culture, and then you need your education structure to be actually teaching Catholic morality and Catholic, the the actual, the faith and what it means with the human person. So you need, you need good teachers. You need, um, the overall you know, a chaplain. Sense of it. Yeah. Yeah. You need all the things that make up like a Catholic culture at yeah. a Catholic school. And they all have to be present and be like under watchful proactive. care and proactive. Yeah. yeah. You can't just be lax and think, yeah. oh, well, people will just, you know, be Catholic. Like, no, it's, it takes some, it takes some, uh, <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of effort to make, to develop that type of Catholic culture and not fall into the secularism because the secularism, right? Remember, it's this whole separation idea and people live their life and the faith is like this kind of background identity thing. Yeah. So this is also from the document. Catholic parents are reminded of their duty to send their children to Catholic schools wherever this is possible. To give Catholic schools all the support in their power and to cooperate with them in their work for the good of their children. I wish I would have quoted this in my speech. You should have Why didn't this, I quote yeah. this? Say it again over the air. Catholic parents are reminded of their duty to send their children to Catholic schools wherever this is possible. To give Catholic schools all the support in their power and to cooperate with them in their work for the good of their children. It's like, dang, that's right. So that's that's Vatican II, uh, gravissimus um, educationis, nonis. Yeah, my my Latin's really <clears throat> terrible. But if you, if you search that up, Vatican II on education. Well, so there's a duty to send your kids to Catholic schools wherever this is possible. Um, I think it's kind of more than that too, though. I mean. Well, because I think it's different for everybody. Um, I didn't go to a Catholic high school. I didn't want to because the closest one was an hour away. Mm -hmm. And the high school that I really wanted to go to, there's a lot of different factors that go into it. Because I was so strong in the faith already that I knew if I went to a public school, it wasn't going to affect me at all. Um, And it didn't at all. I remember just, actually public school enriched my faith because I I got so lucky, to be honest. where I went to Nevada Union High School is like one of the best choir programs in the nation. 
and we went to we went to Europe, we went to Croatia, Bosnia Herzegovina, Serbia. Uh, we did all sorts of concerts and festivals and everything all over the U.S. and stuff. And uh, that really choir was my life there. I remember just every day going to choir. Had zero periods. Start at six thirty in the morning. We'd start singing, and uh, and choir was my life in high school. I mean, I enjoyed it too. There was some stuff that I saw, but. I'm a grown I'm a grown man, dude. Like it doesn't affect me, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um but no, it, it uh I think public school really helped me become a better man because it really exposed me to the outside world. I was exposed already. It was more of it was more of it junior senior year that I was really like found firm. Freshman year was kind of just feeling it out. Sophomore year was getting better. And then junior, senior is just kind of, I really knew where I was at mm -hmm. in my faith in relation to the school. Um, well, public school helped me a lot. Um, I'm glad I didn't go to Catholic school because I, first of all, okay. I didn't go to a Catholic high school because none of my friends were there. All my friends went to Nevada Union, which was like, it's perfect. All my guys, my friends, Peter, Michael, Chris, Daniel, you know, Daniel Fisher. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up with Dan. And, that was a Catholic uh, school, Nevada Union. No, it was public. Oh, public school. Public yeah, high yeah, school. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was public, like public high school. Like there were right. originally when I went, there was thirty four hundred kids there. Whoa. It was huge public Dang. high school. Yeah. Well, because it's really the only one in NorCal. All the rest of the ones are kind of in Sacramento area. Right. So it was like a huge school where people from a long distance would come to would come. Yeah. Kind okay. of. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I would say a good probably, I mean, half an hour, 45 minutes. Yeah. That's, that's still, pretty that's far. Still pretty far. That's I pretty mean, far. Yeah. Um, but it was great because choir was like my life there and everything. And it was just a great environment, but public high school really helped me out. And I'm glad I, I I'm glad I didn't go to a Catholic high school cause I would have, I mean, I would have made friends, but it's not the same if I didn't see my boys every day, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of the thing where, the Catholic schools don't have as much of a Catholic identity. You yeah. know? I mean, what it seems like is that, well, you have Vatican II saying this, right? There, There's a duty to send to Catholic schools wherever possible. But it seemed like Catholic schools end up being as secular as public schools. And, you know, you really don't get a lot of the faith and stuff. And then they're ridiculously expensive. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. True. That's the yeah, other thing. It was thing. like 10 grand a year for my sister. Like, yeah. the educational, to keep up with all these public schools, these Catholic schools have to, you know, they have to spend a lot of money, and so they just get more and more preppy, whatever. Well, they get no funding and then they from get the secular. government, so, I mean. They get some. Oh, well, they, they get some, get some, but I feel like it's. Not a lot. Yeah, not a lot. As compared, I mean, you still have to pay tuition, and yeah. and so, and you know, the quality of education was good. You know, I, I'm, I'm well, thinking of a lot of. it's probably definitely better than, than they had, they had more programs and stuff that I knew, but. Nevada but you're paying even. ten grand a year you're or paying something. Paying ten grand a year, yeah, exactly. And I and it honestly, it didn't really even like, like okay. So for my, it's like I said, it's different for everybody, right? Um, for my, for my sister, I was glad that she went there. I'm kind of glad she didn't go to NU because I don't know if she would have been able to handle it as well. Um, and there, look, I I I'm trying not to be sexist here, but <laughs> I feel like a majority of guys probably would have an easier time handling with like drugs and stuff like that than girls. Hmm. That's just my, that's just what I think. And obviously it's not true for everybody. There's a lot of weak guys out there that just like couldn't take it. And there's girls that could take it. But I feel like overall in general, guys would would be more comfortable around that kind of stuff. If, you know, like ever saw it and everything. And you rarely saw it, but I hope that doesn't sound sexist, but it's just how I feel about it. 
Um, it didn't affect me at all. I, I didn't really see it anyways, and all my friends there, so it, it's so it's so stupid, guys. Like when you when you watch on television these episodes or these you know these TV shows and stuff where they show these public schools that are just like all broken down and there's trash and people are throwing stuff in the cafeteria. It's not like that. It's not like that. Some places, uh, yeah, but, <laughs> but not but many. Most, mo- not many. It's mostly just a nice area, and there's people. I mean, at least for me, all the public high schools that I went to was nice. People there were respectful to me. Cali it's, schools. Okay, it's different for you because you're probably in SoCal. It's more my, my SoCal public it's, school is really nice, but you go to different were, you go I mean, to different yeah. places. You go further south towards the border, and it gets kind of crappy. And okay, stuff. yeah. I mean, it is. It's it's uh. I'm it does saying, depend yeah. on your area. Yeah. This is something I talked to Doctor B afterwards. It's like yeah. he's he's known people that have moved like you know. And we were talking forty five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Just to They've move moved districts. Just to move districts. Yeah. yeah. To be in a different school district because the difference in education is so. It's so crazy different. It's weird, man. I mean, America's so huge. There's so many different, like, ways of education and stuff. Um, you know, they always compare, like, our quality of education to, like, Finland or something. It's like, yeah. come on. <laughs> you, guys are, you guys are, like, all related to each other. You look all the same. You're, you're literally up there, like, skiing on ice in Union, right? Like, all five of them. Like, the two parents and two kids Shout are out doing, to like, Finland. circles. Right? And uh, and then they're gonna like compare it to Mississippi or something. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like, look, we're not all in Finland, uh, you know, skiing with polar bears, wearing our jackets and stuff. Getting roasted. No, and but it it really is. People just misunderstand how enormous and different and just the you know it's so polar opposite in different places. Yeah, you go to a SoCal school like where I went to, um, in a really nice neighborhood and stuff, and. Like, we were, like, I don't know, top 15 in the state in terms of public schools, at least, like, getting testing and who knows what Our that actually Our testing sucked. We were, oh, like, down low. Yeah, because yeah. kids, a lot of kids didn't really care. I mean, I hate the testing metric anyways. So I think it's stupid. so stupid. It's stupid. But regardless, I mean, they, they take, you take that and then you compare it to, you know, Biloxi, Mississippi or something like that. It's, like, <laughs> couldn't be more polar opposite. Um, yeah, there's just such a difference. And you know what's funny? I was talking with Dr. B., uh, Dr. Bruninger after the debate and um, uh, anyways he was he was mentioning the that one his uncle uh, who apparently is has a lot of money um, <laughs> sends his kids to oh, a place called Riverdale like, yeah <laughs> okay we were in New York we were talking about this and he yeah. said my uncle has got probably hordes and <laughs> is rich beyond rich yeah, he sends his kids to this this place that's like um, what fifty thousand really, dollars? Yeah, it's like a fifty thousand. Uh, is, is that real? They like learn Mandarin at like five years old, and is like, that real? Yeah, places like this are real. And you know what? And and they basically get like super uber specialized education from like the top top educators you can, and you learn like ridiculous amounts of skills. You like build computers. You do all this that's crazy so stuff. Weird. Dude. Yeah, and my dad has um, one of his uh, business friends. He actually. Uh, his, the buddy's friend, uh, sorry, the buddy, his dad was, uh, or is a multimillionaire and they lived in Montana of all places. There you go. And, uh, they had this big old place out there and it was just him and his brother. Well, anyways, there was no school for him, uh, to send his kids to. And so he, I don't know how he got in contact with them. He found two MIT professors that were teaching at MIT 
and in Montana. No, 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 no. In MIT and contacted them. Sorry, contacted two MIT professors and told them, "Hey, come up to Montana and teach my kids." (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how much he paid them. They came up to Montana and were the personal tutors of his two kids. He probably paid them. Oh, hundreds of thousands. Yeah, at least two hundred thousand dollars a year. I would think. I mean, anyways, uh, yeah, and and then they got specialized education from two MIT professors as direct tutors to two MIT professors to two, his two kids. Right. I mean, it's, and then, you know, that's, that's definitely not, that's like the upper level of education, right? <laughs> education could just keep going. If you can afford a higher and higher, it's, it is a lot of that, that money stuff. I mean, some people can't afford to move a district to, to send their kids to a Let alone pay $200,000 per student. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, to hire MIT professors to, to teach your kids. And then there's people who, you know, send to Catholic schools that are like kind of preppy and that costs 10 grand a year and they're willing to pay it. Like, Not um, a lot of people can do that. There's I mean, just yeah. a lot of discrepancy as to where you go. I mean, to bring it back with regards to the church, though, um, the kids that are going to Riverdale, the $50,000 in New York, like they're getting some really cool education. Yeah. Like they're going to be really well-skilled in that, yeah. ki- that kind of liberal arts idea, right? You, you teach them all these different skills and um, you really form the, the human person, but they're probably not getting a lot of the moral stuff from, from Riverdale or whatever else. Right. But I mean, if you don't have the moral, the religious, the virtuous things, um, if you don't inculcate that in the children, like you could teach them Mandarin and all this other stuff and they still just be really miserable and terrible and whatever else. But the church, that's where, you know, Catholics deserve Catholic education mm-hmm. is because you need to be brought up in the faith and the truths of the faith because that's that undergirds everything. I mean, if you right. don't have God ultimately and you don't have religion, like what are you learning all this stuff for? Yeah. Um, why should you have a drive to learn? Um, right. for the sake of learning now you might say well i'm learning for the sake of making a million dollars someday or taking over this business or whatever mm-hmm. else but even that you can get if you you know if you don't uh if you don't if you sit down and actually think about it for a while you're going to get pretty cynical right you're going to be Fair. like really yeah. i want to make millions of dollars for what like why like, yeah um i think the you american, just have to push those thoughts out of your head yeah, i think the american kind of model of kind of business model of wanting to make as much as I can kind of takes us away from the takes us away from the the understanding of what Catholic education is. I mean <clears throat> if we want to raise our kids and and put them in a school where they where you know that they'll be that they will ha- be you know grow in virtue and 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 morals then it's good to do that but like i said that that's not going to if their goal is to if your kid's goal is to like make millions of dollars someday that's not guaranteeing that hmm. that's not guaranteeing that at all um so the general idea that we have that oh i'm going to grow up and make i want to make this much money someday and make millions and millions okay well don't just think that if you put your kid in a certain sort of educational system that it's going to work like that, that they might turn out that way. Now, there's something else that you said that really struck me. When I went to NU, I learned, I learned different kinds of morals. Like, I don't really know how to describe it, 
you know, there's Catholic morals where we grow up in in this Catholic faith and things that are right and wrong, and we learn. But I learned, I don't really know how to explain it at all, but I learned different, I just learned kind of different ways of living, I feel like, as opposed to a Catholic school. Just because I was exposed to different stuff, I kind of figured out what was right and wrong in a way, as opposed to maybe if you went to a Catholic school, you wouldn't see that kind of stuff. Mm. That's just kind of some stuff that I saw. I mean, I think I, I think I learned more generally and got more exposed in a public environment that was atheist as opposed to a Catholic school where you're in a Catholic environment. Like it kind of sharpened you. It sharpened. Your... Yeah. It sharpened me. That's yeah. the word. Yeah. I, I mean, beca- it could be that I yeah. got perfected in the way that it was kind of saw the outside world. But you still had to like live a Catholic yeah. moral life and, it and a Catholic me. social it life. Me. It yeah. helped me do that. See, that's, you know, you pointed to it earlier. That might be maybe one of the differences if a Catholic guy is able to kind of, you know, stay the path. Although it's the same thing. Like I went to public school and it was, it was in your face secularism and it was in your face anti-religion. It was in your face liberal ideologies and stuff. I mean, I had professors kind of semi-advocating communism. I had, sorry, teachers at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, I, people were, drugs are really bad at my school as, you know, most public schools, I guess it's not super, uh, it was actually the, the high, it was, it was like cocaine and stuff. I was like, dang. Uh, but anyways, in my government class, I remember we, we took a poll of how many people were opposed to, uh, or sorry, who were for abortion, whatever it was basically everyone except yeah. for me and one other person. Okay. And then we, we kept going down the line of like, okay, well, are you opposed to abortion accepting cases of, of rape or something? And I'm like, I'm opposed still. And he's like, even if it is rape, I'm like, yep, still, still opposed. I'm a Catholic. And, 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 and you said, I stand for everything that Catholic. Church yeah. And I was, and... it was like one of those occasions where it was like a public profession of faith, you know, yeah. I felt like, <laughs> felt like, um, Welcome to SoCal. <laughs> felt like Polycarp. I don't know if you heard the story of Polycarp. Uh-uh. He got brought into the Roman Coliseum and they asked him, who are you? And he said, uh, you know, Polycarp, Bishop of Christ, successor of John the evangelist. And, uh, <laughs> And he says, do you, not, do you renounce Christ? You know, he said, how can I renounce him who is my king? And, uh, <laughs> you know, publicly confesses and then gets killed and stuff. I was like, the adrenaline was running. Like I was in front of my I'm Cali. back in the Coliseum, baby. <laughs> I was in front of the Cali. Uh, you know, it's, it, there's just this like glazed over look where you can tell people aren't actually thinking. They're actually just keeping the party line, you know. Like, none of them could actually have a conversation with me about abortion. Right, yeah. Like, I was looking around the room. I was like, my classmates? No. It's no. not even possible. Because no. yeah. you're not thinking it's a indoctrination and then move on. Right? Yeah, It's yeah. the glazed over, like, how can you not accept abortion in cases of rape and all this stuff? And and then uh, my, my teacher was like, you're saying you don't accept abortion even in cases of rape. And then I was so full of adrenaline. It must have been the Holy Spirit it must or something. must have been so pumped. And then the Holy I, Spirit was firing through you. And I said... I believe everything the Catholic Church teaches, and I believe it, <laughs> or something like that. And, Alex uh, Dunley, preach. No, yeah, I was, uh, I was really quiet in class because I couldn't. It's one of those things, like this indoctrination stuff. I mean, it, it runs deep. Well, my professors uh, were, or my teachers were pretty liberal. Were they? I, I yeah. mean, even NorCal. I mean, it's it's pretty liberal. Like, I mean, you were a little bit more out there than I was. We were more like, out I'm, there, yeah. I'm, yeah. I was in. It was a, it was a little bit more conservative. In the uppity stru- where you were suburbs, at, yeah. <clears throat> uppity remember, liberal SoCal. I remember. Yeah, I know. I remember. Uh, I remember one class. We I think we were talking about it was senior economics class or senior government, 
we had some sort of debate on, I think it was like guns or something. And me and my buddy, Brandon, <laughs> we're so pro guns. Like we have all sorts of guns and everything. All the liberals on the other side of the room. <laughs> so we did this thing where we split like the room in half. And one side goes, what do you feel about this? Go to this side, go to this side. Freaking the whole class over here and me and Brandon. Oh, that's what here. happened the abortion thing yeah. with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because at that point you're like, man, I just love attention. I don't know. I love attention. I don't know why. <laughs> but no, just me and him. You're just, just like, dude, let's just go at it, bro. You're like, let's come go. and take it. Bro. Come and take it. Come and get it, man. Don't step on snake. I can match you in anything. So, you know, iron sharpens iron world. It's still like, it's not ideal. You know what I mean? Like what we went right. through is not ideal. <clears throat> right. It would be ideal if we had Catholic schools that were cheaper, more accessible, and then actually taught Catholic, you know, doctrine and had a Catholic culture. Right. Um, <clears throat> that would be, you know, that'd be really ideal. And there's a, there's definitely places like that in the U.S. It's yeah. just few and far between at this point. It just, I mean, I'm thinking of Catholic schools in San Diego. There's Cathedral Catholic, which is like mega uppity, preppy. Yeah. And about as secular as you can get. Like they're That's teaching, teaching heresy. USD, <laughs> University of San Diego is the same same thing. Yeah, they're, yeah, heretical nuns come to campus and like, <laughs> we should have, I'm not joking. You think I'm joking or something? I just they love, have like, I just they love start advocating. use the word heresy. <laughs> Yeah, they, they start preaching, you know, abortion is a natural human right and stuff. You know, they don't wear habits, obviously. That would be, that would be you know, not with the times that would be for, for the nuns time. to actually look like nuns. That would be Teaching bad. Heresy. And, um, yeah, it's just terrible. They just... They don't get it. They've lost eaten it. eaten the fruit of secularism and, and said, wow, this tastes great. And then, and then you don't stand for Catholic identity anymore. You stand for money, right. which is something that... This is where we've talked about it, well, quite a number of times. Actually, in our seminar last night, we did a apologetic seminar. Every, everyone come. Wednesday nights, apologetic seminars, Veritas Society, On Guard. Yep. Uh, we did reproduction, uh, sorry, reproductive rights and overpopulation. That was a topic for last night. Shoot, how did that go, by the way? It, it went I, really I well. I should have gone to yeah, that. Yeah, it went really well. So the apologetic seminars, we try and understand the anti-Catholic position, and then we make a Catholic reply. Um, but it was reproductive rights, right? Yeah. So, so we the, focus a lot of like, that. So we focus a lot on contraception and okay. abortion, and specifically like Western NGOs, non-governmental organizations, <laughs> and governments supplying contraceptives to Africa and Southeast Asia, yeah. trying to control their birth, uh, their birth rate, like lower it to develop their nation, all this type of stuff. Well, it's the exact opposite in France, right? They want people to have kids, right? <laughs> yeah, well, they're yeah. everywhere in Europe. They're everywhere losing Europe. people. Yeah, they're losing people. Yeah, Italy's some of the lowest, and Japan some of the lowest. And um, they would literally pay French mothers to have more children. Are they doing that? I I know they did. Oh really? I don't well, know if they're still doing it, but yeah, like subsidizing it because yeah. no one's having kids. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's it's 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 scary. It's weird, but anyways, man. like I we watched a video by Melinda Gates, which is a it was a TED talk given in Germany. The title of the talk was Contraception Should Be Back on the Agenda. And she was arguing that uh, global (laughs) world health organizations and stuff, they haven't been pushing contraception as hard as they used to. We need to bring it back. It's like, man, money really corrupts people. (laughs) And she's standing up there saying we should bring it back to the global agenda and like everyone should have access to safe and easy contraceptives and... Um, 
yeah, it's it's just a mess. Um, where was I going with this? We we were talking about um, just, I, it had uh, something yeah. to do with Catholic schools too. Yeah, well, you were talking Anyways. about the like the, the teachers nuns teaching. Oh yeah, teaching things. heresy. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, they bought into the whole globalist ideas, yeah. right? And, we had a uh, big thing on globalism if you didn't hear it before previous podcast, but. That was a good podcast. Number three, I believe. Number three, yeah. Check our YouTube. <clears throat> we put a big, yeah, we put a big one on globalism and that those effects. That was uh, Trump's UN speech. We we Legendary. reject, we embrace the heart of patriotism and we reject the ideology of globalism. Oh, the heart of patriotism, dude. I, oh, I just love it. His words are so good. He was in Pittsburgh the other day, by the way. Really? Adam Natino went Oh, that's there. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and uh, Adam, my friend Adam Natino was there. And, uh, he said there were protesters outside, and they had big. F- f- what do you? What's the word? I don't know. They were protesting outside, and Adam said he placards saw, like, like <laughs> yeah. They had big in infl- um, inflatable ducks. <laughs> they were just. I have no idea. Inflatable ducks. <laughs> inflatable ducks. They were just that, like sitting new. on them or something. <laughs> Anyways, he said liberals. I know liberals. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He said. Uh, uh, yeah, he was tried. He listened to it for a little bit, then they left. But no, he was Trump. It's thirty minutes away, dude. It's not far. Yep. But no, anyways, a lot of a lot of even priests like they're just teaching heresy, dude. Like it's crazy that it would get that far. When the church like starts saying the exact same things as like all the liberal globalist agenda, it? money, <laughs> money. Okay, that's yeah, yeah but. No, I mean it's it's money. I mean you get in line with the the global governments and stuff, they'll start feeding you the money. I mean that's and and that's what oh that's what we talked about with the reproductive rights is the principle I've never forgot from my high school government teacher. Right? So do you want to understand politics? You only need one word: money. There you go. So you sniff out the money, you'll figure out the politics. And um, where are those donors? It hasn't it hasn't failed me yet. Like I'm using that no. that principle. <clears throat> Every time, dude, people are just corrupt. Every time, donors, yeah. everything, they're just. Which is why it's so concerning for me to see, you know, all this climate change stuff, and you know, with the synod and stuff mm-hmm. being embraced by Francis and embraced by cardinals and bishops and all that stuff. It's like, I'm suspecting there's NGOs who are giving big donations to make them say these things. Probably, like I mean, because it it over and over me. again. Well, yeah, I mean, we know too because um, <laughs> the Vatican Bank has just been caught in. Well, Pope Francis raided. Uh, or not him specifically. He had Vatican police raid a um, what was it? The previous Secretariat of State, his office, and they figured out that seven hundred fifty million dollars had been misplaced during his his uh, his stint as Secretary of State, and that uh, they purchased an like a fifteen million dollar apartment complex in London, and then they also spent a lot of money on speculation in oil in like African countries and stuff. What the heck? In oil drilling. And it's like but anyways, so so we know now like the Vatican's like way behind on finances by millions and millions of dollars. And I'm I'm seeing all this like climate change stuff. They're like, oh we're we're we actually care about the environment and everything. Look, whenever I hear big companies or NGOs start talking about we really care about climate change, I just I, I hear the cha ching, cha ching in the background. <laughs> right? Because that's a, because you see that's, that in your head. No one really cares about the climate. No. No one's really that, that whole, you well, know, so that... Some people uh, think climate change is just a hoax. I mean... Well, we can get into kind of the <laughs> hoax part of it, but I 
getting beyond the like, okay, well, is it actually like, is the whole thing melting or whatever? Yeah. Okay, who's going to fix it and what is that going to look like? A lot of it is give us big cash and <laughs> we'll figure out what we do with it, you know? Yeah. And uh, maybe we'll spend it on climate stuff and maybe we'll buy us a nice yacht to go along with yeah. it, right? <laughs> Um, that's what I'm telling you, man. Go back to the barter days. No money, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's the running theme. That's the running theme. Kel- 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 and Alex stick show. by that principle. Kel- and Alex show. Get rid I of your currency. by the principle of barter. <laughs> Get rid of your currency. Trade everything. A trade, hey. Keep keep I mean, a keep a storehouse of food in your in your house. You could trade it for a car. You know. <laughs> show up to the dealership. I don't want to pay cash for this. But I'm gonna give I'm you some currency. Chef Boyardee. Yeah, I got I got 15 oxes back there. <laughs> We're going to do a little barter. Oh, jeez. Anyways, going back to the big money, though. No, it's true. It's big money, bro. It's money. And it's like uh, people are money is it's so powerful. People are people are just driven by that because they know they can do anything with money. They can get anything they want. Yeah. I can get nice cars. Look, I can get a nice house. I can get a $15 million mansion on freaking Escondido. Right by your house, dude. Escondido. Escondido Get man. it in La Jolla. Dude, La Jolla. $15 million, $15 right, million on right on the beach. $15 million right on the beach in La Jolla. That's a good one. It drives people. No, it really yeah. does. It's, it's, a, it's a deciding factor in the actions of people. It really is. People will lose their morals. Hmm. Just the phrase, just when you thought they were a good, you know, a good person. Money comes in and says, hello, I'm going to take over your life now. Like, it's insane, dude. People are so taken away by it. it. Doesn't make any. Well, I mean, it does make sense, but at the same time, it doesn't. But I mean, I don't know. Especially when it comes to big things like globalism, too. All this BS where people want to get attention and they want to be world leaders and things like this and all that kind of BS. They're all in for the money. No, it's true. It's a theory. It's my theory, I guess. Anyways, but <clears throat> I don't know. It's 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 a problem. When you start, for Catholics, when we, when we lose our principles for money and you stop standing up for things for money, um, that is the ultimate sign of decay, right? We're going to deny the truths of the faith or we're not going to preach the truths of the faith. It's spitting for... in the face of Jesus. It's what it is. Yeah. You're, who did that? You're playing Judas, by the way. Judas, that's yeah. who it was. Well, he didn't spit in the face of it Jesus, but he sold him for he sold silver, him. right? Somebody. Anytime the church... Right. If you, no, any, if anyone yeah, in the church system. sells Christ, if you sell one article of faith, you are playing the role of Judas because yeah. you're betraying Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, Christ saying is always in effect. He who denies me before men, I will deny before my heavenly Father. Yeah. That is a, mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a guarantee. Right. And when we deny the articles of the faith, or we allow these things to happen in order to save face, or we start getting big money from globalists and we don't preach the truths of the faith, right? Like when was the last time you heard, um, you know, extra ecclesium nulla salus, right? Outside of the church, there is no salvation. Hmm. From the Pope. Extra ecclesium nulla salus, Hmm. right? No salvation, the salus. Yeah, Uh. yeah. Extra ecclesium outside of the church, there is no salvation, which is a doctrine of the church, Hmm. right? Um, When was the last time we've heard a Pope say that? Yeah. I mean, maybe Benedict said it somewhere. That's one of the, the, that is the driving factor for converting the nations is we need to save souls, right? They need to become Catholic, Mm -hmm. right? 
we know of one way to be saved, which is to be baptized, to be united in the faith with the church, believing all that the church believes, right. united under um, the sacraments, having all the proper sacraments with the Eucharist included, the right mass, and then being united to the proper jurisdiction, which goes from your priest to the bishop, ultimately to the pope. So being under the pope. United in faith, hope, and love. United in the belief, united in the sacraments, and united in proper jurisdiction and being baptized. And if you remain in a state of grace, we know that you'll be saved. Outside of that, if you're not in a state of grace and you meet those other conditions, you're not going to be saved, right? Because we, we know that. So Catholics, it's not like a guarantee you're in the Catholic Church, therefore you're saved. You still have to be in a state of grace. Yeah. I, and you I, have to stay within the church. Yeah. And then for people outside of that, we don't know. And in right. fact, according to Christ himself and according to the tradition of the church, right? The way is narrow and hard that is leading to salvation. There's no like... No easy route. It's not that Catholicism is the privileged route to salvation. That is terrible. And that's heresy. It's not the privileged route. It's the only route. Right, yeah. (laughs) And outside of that, everyone who enters heaven is going to be Catholic. Mm -hmm. Right? And and if you are saved, it's by the graces given through the church. And so we should be working for the conversion of all nations into the church otherwise like, <clears throat> like what the heck, what the heck, what the heck are we doing right yeah. why, why are we evangelizing now why what would be of benefit not to proclaim that <coughs> if you're if you're working for money but not for converting souls would you would you say that to the pagans and would you say that to the jews and would you say that to the muslims and would you say that to the buddhist and the hindus would you say to them, extra ecclesiam nulla salus? If you were you, doing it for money? If you were doing it for money, would no, you say No, you it? wouldn't. Why wouldn't you say it? I mean, you wouldn't, because by saying that, you're saying without, okay, so the saying means without, outside of the church, you will not be saved, right? Yeah. So say it Which again. Which is true. If you, were, if you were asking, if you were telling that yeah. to somebody. So meaning, let's say you're at the UN. Okay. Because the popes have gone to the UN. Right. You know, I think Paul the Sixth was the first one. Yeah. Mamma mia. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they go to the they go to the UN and they give this nice speech, right? And uh praising what the great work of the UN. Pope Francis has been like, We support wholeheartedly the mission of the United Nations and all this stuff. I don't I didn't hear one mention of Christ and I didn't yeah. really hear one mention of you know, oh, by the way, all of you here, if you don't come into the church, you will not be saved. And if you don't submit to the teachings of the church, you're going to be fighting eternally. And uh, there's going to be no human progress properly. Do you think he'd be invited back to the United Nations if we said that? If the church said that? If Pope Francis said that? If the Pope said it? Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. Do you think all these deals... So, by the way, Pope Francis met with in Abu Dhabi with a bunch of Muslims and and signed a document. He went to Abu Dhabi? He went to... How do you know this? First... How do I know this? I'll look it up. Look it up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I need to see these They signed a document saying... Pope Francis signed a document saying all... God wills the plurality of religions. Yeah, wait, wait. Of all nations, right? Yeah, wills the plurality of religions, which is heresy, which is a heresy, but... Um, he clarified that he was saying permissive will, although it doesn't seem like it. Um, God wills plurality. Why do you even go uh, over there anyways? 
to talk about that stuff. Money. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> there is the um, back to the barter. <laughs> yeah, document on human fraternity. Document on human fraternity for world peace and living together. Okay, Signed in the it's UAE. Already, it starts out cheesy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> faith leads a believer to, this is the introduction of the document. Faith leads a believer to see in the other a brother or sister to be supported and loved. And it just goes through all this fraternity, really, uh, this really, fraternity. Uh, Carrie. <laughs> um, yeah. In the name of God and of everything stated thus far, Al-Azhar al-Sharif and the Muslims of the East and West, together with the Catholic Church and the Catholics of the East and West, declare the adoption of a culture of dialogue as the path, mutual cooperation as the code of conduct, reciprocal understanding as the method and standard. Just sit on that for a second. I don't know, dude. That's weird. Okay, let me lead up to this because they quote in the name of and then go through a lot of it. In the name of God, who has created all human beings equal in rights, duties, and dignities and has called them to live together as brothers and sisters, in the name of innocent human life that God has forbidden us to kill, in the name of the poor, the destitute, the marginalized, in the name of orphan, widows, refugees, and those exiled, in the name of people who have lost their security, peace, and possibility of living together because of war, in the name of human fraternity, in the name of freedom, in the name of justice and mercy, and in the name of all persons of goodwill present in every part of the world, in the name of God and of everything stated thus far, Al-Azhar al-Sharif, and the Muslims of the East and West, together with the Catholic Church and the Catholics of the East and West, declare the adoption of a culture of dialogue as the path, mutual cooperation as the code of conduct, reciprocal understanding as the method and standard, signed the 5th of February, 2019. Just sounds all kind of general globalist kind of thing. It's wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's wrong. Yeah, but it sounds more of... More it like is so wrong. <clears throat> why do we need to have a, an adoption of a culture of dialogue mutual cooperation and reciprocal understanding do we or do we not think that the Muslims should be Catholic yeah <laughs> yes they should do we or do we not think that if they do not enter into the Catholic Church they most likely will be damned yeah so for the salvation of their souls, we should proclaim to them Christ and the church. Mm -hmm. Not declaring an adoption of a culture of dialogue, mutual cooperation, and reciprocal understanding. Notice how there's no mention of Christ here. There's also no mention of salvation. There's also no mention of, oh yeah, mm. Islam is actually a false religion. Yeah. Which by the way, it is. It is false. <laughs> it is 100% false. Yes. I mean, it's it's not, it's not, it's not and, Christian. And they'll say, oh, well, you're, it's not Catholicism. Yeah, it's not Catholicism. Look, if you're going to be Catholic, <clears throat> let's be Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> How hard is it? Barter. <laughs> I mean, mutual cooperation. Yeah, I know. I think about that, too. That one's, there was another one, mutual cooperation and. Culture of dialogue. And reciprocal something. What was reciprocal it? Reciprocal understanding. What the heck does that even mean? Yeah, I understand you <laughs> as heretics and me as right. <laughs> <laughs> that should be reciprocal. 
Like, I mean, it's, it's so it's so bad that I have to say it in those terms. I mean, this should be something so assumed. It's just, but now the assumption is, I mean, this is almost, this is pretty much universalism. This is universalism when you get down to it. It's, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's the idea that everyone's going to be yeah. saved. It's like, I actually, what, what would be better? Okay. People can look this up. I believe it's Pius the the Ninth. I want to make this make this certain. Um, it was on the founding of the Jewish state um, in Israel. Um, his reply. Uh, Pius the Ninth. Yeah, I believe it was. Um, oh, it was a little bit. I think it was a little bit later. It might have been Pius the Tenth or or someone. Um, Anyway, some some Jews came to to Pius the uh, tenth and said, you know, we want to go found the state of Israel, in Israel, right? And uh, because it hadn't been founded yet, and they asked him, will you give us your support? And the Pope said, your people do not accept Christ, and until you do, we cannot give you our support. Ooh, <laughs> drum roll! Like that's the church. We say. You need to receive Christ. I don't you need think, to reserve the church. I don't think we say it how it is anymore, really. We don't. Now, we now, now kind of contrast s- that yeah. with John Paul II. They had a, um, I believe this is in 83, 84, something like that. They had like this meeting in Rome in, this, in the, the big hall that Paul VI built where um, they were having this memorial for the Holocaust. And uh, they invited Jews from all over Europe. And they came to this place. They were going to have this big um, orchestra thing. I think the orchestra is from Berlin, and um, and it was a Jewish. Actually, it was a Jewish orchestra. And uh, one of the one of the guys who was going to be there and then was going to join the orchestra was a actually a Jewish convert to Christianity. And one of the chief rabbis there said, um, "We'd like him off of the orchestra because he's." A convert to Christianity and stuff. Ooh. John Paul II said, okay, and took him off. And mm-hmm. um, they held this big thing, and then John Paul II got up there and made a speech. And um, there was no mention of Christ. There was no mention of the church or whatever else. It was just kind of like, okay, we're, we're, we're feeling togetherness, right? And this whole ecumenical movement that grew out of the council is this culture of dialogue. It's this culture of recipro- reciprocal nature. Right, because they resented the fact that after the council, they resented the fact that the popes had been like, we're Catholic, you're not. You need to be converted, otherwise you're not going to be saved. And so the new way going forward was this, we're going to dialogue with the Muslims, we're going to dialogue with the Jews, we're going to dialogue with atheists, we're going to dialogue. They, they talk about dialogue all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's right here in this document. People can look it up. Um a document on human fraternity for world peace and living together with the Muslims on the 5th of February, 2019 with his holiness, Pope Francis. Um, <laughs> we need to, you know, and he's, he's, he's speaking on, on behalf of all Catholics from the East and West. And apparently this one guy, Al-Azhar Al-Sharif is speaking on behalf of all Muslims. It's like, really? <laughs> How does he have authority to speak on behalf of all Muslims? Now, the Pope does have authority to speak on behalf of Catholics, but declare the adoption of a culture of dialogue as the path, mutual cooperation as the code of conduct, and reciprocal understanding as the method and standard. There's no mention of, like, you guys are wrong and need to be converted here. Yeah. 
There, there's no definitive kind of point right to where the direction should be going. So what does that kind of betray? Now, if you were if you were working for the salvation of souls, is cooperation and dialogue the right option? I mean, I don't think you it's... could like spin it in a way where you say like, okay, well, long, long term, right? Like long, long term. Later on, we'll kind of like they'll see how like cool Catholic stuff is, and they'll be like, oh, that's cool. Maybe I everything should be, Catholic. should be now. We should be doing stuff now. We don't say things like, oh yeah, we're gonna uh, convert you in ten years, <laughs> and like. And if you don't, what? Like, who wants to convert to a faith that's like, oh, you can be Muslim and you're yeah. fine. There's no, there's no, there's no impetus to even try. No, nothing pushing you. Yeah, exactly. That's why, exactly. We're losing our own people. Like, it's a, it's a, we're already in like a losing state. I mean, the Vatican's in a, in a mess. They're in financial struggles. You know, the, the Pope is the Pope's doing writing. heresy. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, yeah. but it's true. Well, not formal heresy. <laughs> He's, well, not, he said, but, "Yes, but think about what. He, but think about what he's doing, though. It's it's that's, been just weird, yeah. right? There's not much of a Catholic identity that's being pushed. Yeah, you know, we've we're turning in more and more to this like global idea, op- global kind of, ideological yeah. operation. Yeah, it, most people see us as a political unit now, like at least the church and our structure, which is such a. Shame. And then none of the pastors of the church, or very few, are actually proclaiming the truth of the gospel and the truth of like people need to be converted and." You need the church for salvation, and what is the Eucharist? What is the Mass? And it's just, it's all one big, let's push that way to the back burner, and let's work on cooperation with others. Yeah. But that cooperation is money. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? And it's yeah. kind of propping up money. Why Why would the Pope go to the UAE? By the way, guess yeah, who else was in the Emirates. UAE and, mm-hmm. like, Saudi Arabia and stuff over and over again? Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Google, Jeez. Facebook. All these different companies are moving in to Saudi Arabia and the UAE because their crown prince there is inviting all these big tech to, because they got all their big oils already there, right? In the Middle East. So now they're trying to do a whole big tech push and Dubai is pushing it. And so is a lot of Saudi Arabia. And so we're just the, the fifth wheel that's already come in, right? You know, the first three wheels of Elon Musk and Tesla and like they, they came and give talks and. You can go look up the talks, you know, it's, it's literally Elon Musk and like, I don't know, 10,000 guys dressed in the exact same white garb with their little <laughs> like black hat thing and all of them with beards. And it's Elon Musk sitting up there and you're like, I don't know, this is just kind of this a weird just scene. kind of weird, man. But, but I mean, I mean, he's doing it for business. There's nothing wrong with that. He's doing it for business. Yeah. But for the church to like hop on the train and like after all the Facebook guys and the Google guys and all these other guys go over doing their business deals. We show up and make a joint declaration. It's like, yeah, there's some cash getting pa- pushed around. Yeah. And this cooperation thing, I mean, it destroys the the motive for like, we're going to actually go and evangelize people. We don't really have that identity anymore. We don't, I don't, I, I rarely ever see it where I see people saying, let's go out and evangelize. And maybe, I mean, maybe it was where I grew up, but a lot of the times, I mean, the, the thing that people I think are most angry about are is coming more at a local level like with the priests and everything i mean obviously people are not happy with the pope and everything that's going on but where do you start i mean the people that you start is like usually a lot of times like with the priest and and they're seeing all these sex scandals and they're just seeing all these unfortunate things that are happening and then they're like who do we trust we nobody we can't all just go to rome you know and go say hi to the pope you know 
It's 9,000 miles away or whatever, how far it is. I don't know. But people are upset because they see a disordered society in, in, in the Catholic view. And they're like, what the heck do we do? Like, literally, what do we do? Yeah. We're turning into a globalist thing. That's the exact thing that we don't want to do. Right. It's like everything that's happening is the exact thing we don't want to do. Well, I mean, I don't know. So don't couple know that I mean. with, I mean, the, you know, the, the downfall of Christianity in the West and the downfall of Catholicism not preaching the truth of the faith. And then couple that with this false spirit of the new evangelization. Right. Okay. So people talk about the new evangelization and it's kind of the, the watchword, like we're going to evangelize to a post-Christian West. And in that regard, like, okay, well, that, that regard is true in some way that it's a different scenario because now we're in a post-Christian world. But why do we need a new evangelization for? What happened to the old evangelization? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, what was wrong with just evangelizing? Right, and what does yeah. that actually look like? Yeah. What the new evangelization really comes down to, like, what's the particulars is I basically tell you how great it is for me to be a Catholic and then don't make any claims on you. Right, yeah. Or don't do anything. Right. Yeah. It's it's a kind of like... We're not doing anything anymore. We're saying, oh, this is our current state, but what are we going to do about it? Or like, or you say it, oh, well, this really works for me. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. That's right? what I hear but there's all no, the time. There's no there's like... There's nothing there. There's nothing there. Well, okay, great. You know, you know what works for me? You know, like smoking pot and like sitting with my, <laughs> you know, hooking up with my girlfriend. Right? I, okay, this isn't me personally. <laughs> Delete that. <laughs> Delete that. Or, or go back. Go back. But I mean, what is the what is the motivation to like get you out of that life? I mean, it takes a lot to get a young guy out of that life. Yeah, it does. <laughs> right? No, it does. It does. Um, that is that's where the post Christian morality is. Yeah, is is pot and sleeping around and this yeah. other stuff, right? Yeah. Like, oh well, Catholicism works for me. Well, grand. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's like. Well, well uh, you want me to convert to to that? <laughs> you know, oh, come to church with me and stuff. It's like, why don't you tell them you're living in sin, and if you continue down this path, it's going to destroy you, and you're going to be damned. <laughs> <laughs> that was the all there is to it, folks. I mean, that's obviously there's a lot more to that. Well, yeah, yeah. But... It's it's one of those things, Kellen Lake, that we're we're at the point now where the opposite side is so. The idea of like, because there is a middle ground in this, like like everything, you know, the, the harshest ground would just be, you know, running around like everyone's going to hell. Yeah. And, you know, and the other side is everyone's fine as they are. Yeah. And we're all going up this mountain together. Yeah. The reason I'm kind of coming off as kind of like brash and like we need to like, you're going to be damned these type of things yeah. is because the other side has been so ridiculously blown out of proportion that yeah. we never even hear these type of things. Yeah. And there's the shock factor of the faith. You can't. You can't diminish that. Christ was always a shock factor wherever he went. Like uh, when the Pharisees ask him, you know, why do your disciples pick heads of grain on the Sabbath? Why do they do what's unlawful? And then Jesus says, have you not read what yeah, David did? I love when that. He was, when he was hungry, how he took of the showbread from Abiathar, the high priest. And then he says, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. So there's two things we miss there. So when the Pharisees ask him, like, why are you taking the, 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 uh, why are your disciples breaking the Sabbath by taking heads of grain? He answers them by saying, don't you know what David did? So what is he doing? He's comparing himself to David and yeah. he's saying, I'm better than David. 
Do you know what that would be? That would be like <laughs> saying I'm better than George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, like all of them <laughs> and combined. Donald Trump combined. <laughs> and Donald Trump, you know, and like five saints and you put all those people together. It's like saying you're better than all of them. That's the first thing you say. And then he follows it up by saying the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jeez. He says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Jeez. So notice when he doesn't say like, oh, you're right. I'm breaking the Sabbath. He's saying, I'm greater than David and I'm Lord of the Sabbath. And, um, you know, like when the, the, the Canaanite woman comes to him and she says, Lord, come up and heal my son. And he says, it's not right to take from the children's table and throw it to dogs. Yep. Yep. He's calling her a dog. Yep. Because she's yep. a Canaanite. She's yeah. outside of Israel. She's outside of the Jewish mm-hmm. people. And so the children's table is where Jesus was sent, was to the Jews and to mm-hmm. the Israelites. He wasn't sent to the, the Canaanites. Right. But she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the scraps from the master's table. That's such a good saying. Such a good And then, then he says, great is your faith. Your, your son is healed, right? Mm-hmm. So even our Lord, he has to say what is true because what Mm -hmm. is true even though it's difficult and it's hard on people right people have you know people have reason and they have conscience they can see when you're speaking the Mm -hmm. truth yeah and you can't work on any other stuff right if he was trying to play nice he'd be like of course i'll heal your son and all this stuff he had to preach the truth no and and it's hard and even if you're and such faith for that woman because she knew okay i'm a dog but lord help me right it's like she knew, she recognized that she was out of the privileged mm-hmm. uh, Israel who was mm-hmm. going to have the Messiah. Right. The Messiah, Jesus was sent <clears throat> to the Jews and to the Israelites mm-hmm. first. And the apostles were going to be sent to the nations. Um, but she petitioned the Lord and had faith, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, same with the centurion, right? You remember when we say, and at every mass we say, um, uh, you know, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under mm-hmm. my roof. That is the faith of the centurion. He knew christ and he said look i'm not a jew i am not worthy for you to come to my house even yeah right he professes this faith and um and so yeah to bring it back to the ecumenical stuff we have to be proclaiming the truth of the faith we have to be proclaiming like we can't just be signing documents with muslims yeah (laughs) no you're right (laughs) because and just saying we're going to encourage a culture of dialogue because we we are intending to convert the muslims for their salvation they are following a false religion under a false prophet, which is Muhammad. Yep. And he is a false prophet. And they are following that. And so as Catholics, we have to stand for the truth of the faith. Do you think, you know, a lot the of Muslims aren't, are, you know, they're not saying like, oh, well, the Catholics should remain Catholic. They want us to be converted. Yeah, no, they do. No, yeah. No, they want us, they want Rome to a be. Lo- a lot of people are like, okay, downfall for Rome. A lot of people are like, why are we even taught? Why are we even conversing with these people? With the Muslims. Why are we even conversing with them? I mean, I don't know. But to try to convert them, they're trying to convert us. Here's the false idol that's been been set up is union of the world without Christ. So it's the whole idea we're going to unite the world, but not make them convert to Christ. Yeah. And not, uh, mm-hmm. not so we're going to, con- what yeah. is you, in that, global unity in that without context, Christ. What is you, 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 uh, what's the word? It's the and project that, of the Antichrist. Yeah. Ultimately. What's even putting the world in union if it's not for Christ? Yeah. You I mean, know, the, like... the project of the devil, right, is is the destruction of the church and the unity of all under his reign, yeah. right? Remember when the devil showed Christ in the temptations, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory of them. 
And the devil said, this has all been granted to me, but I will grant it to you if you bow down and worship me. Yep. And what does Jesus say? He says, get behind me. Get he says, get thee hence, Satan. Yeah. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Yep. Right? So what is the reply? I mean, what could be greater than all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them? Heaven. <laughs> yeah. Eternal that's paradise. It. That's it. So that was the thing I wrote in my, my gauntlet article is, would you give up? Would you, would you give up one tenet of the Catholic faith? Like, let's say the virginal birth. Would you give up and say, ah, well, Mary was not actually a virgin. Jesus was conceived by Joseph, right? Would you give that up for the control of the entire universe? That's a good freaking point. That's the question that the devil put to Jesus at the temptations. Yeah. Would you give, would you, would you be willing to to deny Mary's uh, virginity or you take even a, a smaller one, deny that the Pope is the successor of Peter. And that really is just kind of a political hedge. Would you be willing to give that up, that article of faith, for um, for basically all the world becoming Catholic? No. You can't. I mean, <laughs> you, can't. you can't. You, you can't. can't. But, like, you, you. I mean, it sounds great, but you just can't. You just can't. I mean... Because it's like, you shall worship the Lord your God, and yeah. Him only shall you serve. You have I to mean, do you, the you right can't. thing. You have to do the right thing. Yeah, truth, and truth, truth yeah. over money. Yeah, <laughs> which is like we really everything comes down to. I mean, truth over money. Yeah. Um, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back with this epic convo.
All right, we're back here on WFRSCC. I'm with Alex Denley. And uh, let's continue the convo, brother. So what were we talking about? So we were talking <laughs> ecumenical movement. And, That's right. Uh, yeah, just this the Abu Dhabi document that uh, we went through. This this whole idea of we're going to start uh, conversing with... Um, conversing with, you with know... The pagans. And, yeah, the pagans. Yeah. And as we've talked before, I guess this will be our next point, with the Amazon Synod, which has been ongoing... Um, which has raised a lot of red flags for a lot of cardinals. And um, uh, this synod that's going on currently is going to be ending on Sunday. There, we'll have the ending actual document. Sunday. Yep. So, so it's when, been going this entire month. Oh, so it's, when did it start again? So it started October 7th, and 5th, something like end, that. Yeah, and it's going to end. Right. Um, yeah, and it's, it's to... It was called to find new ways of evangelizing God's people in the Amazon. That was the Again, ostensible. That's what we're talking about, like we just <laughs> talked about, different ways of, like the reciprocal, so, all that kind of BS. Yeah. You know? How, once again, why do we need a, so Cardinal Brandmuller pointed this out in his criticism of the working document, the Instrumentum Laboris. He pointed out the fact that, like, why do we need to call a huge synod in Rome for these four million indigenous peoples in the Amazon? What do we need a different approach for them? We just need to convert them to the Catholic faith. It, it points to the fact there's, there's more stuff going on behind it. And in fact, we do know there's more stuff going on behind it. There's German NGOs that want certain liberation theology agenda, agenda to be pushed. Um, oh, man. Yeah. And they also are, um, they've adopted a, another kind of universalist approach to the Amazon people. Um, and, uh, they're probably getting big money from German NGOs, maybe from the German government itself to be pushing these ideas. There's a, a number of people who want married clergy in the Amazon. They also are pushing for women deaconesses. It's just a mess. Uh, but That's the, the, the official document's going to be coming out on, hopefully on Sunday. That'll be out probably first in Italian. Hopefully it'll get translated. I'll probably do a podcast on it. My channel, Alex Denley dude, on YouTube. Dude, um, go for it. Everybody listen to Alex Denley, man. He's got his own, own he's got his own podcast, dude. Bring people on. Father amazing. Nick Larkins. That was good. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> and then yeah, Zach so we'll, we'll see what we'll see what comes out of it. Um, we're really praying for it. One of the things that ended up becoming a symbol of the synod was this pagan worship that ended up going on in the Vatican Gardens to kick off the synod. And we discussed it in our last podcast. There were all these uh, indigenous Amazonian people who were there uh, in the Vatican Gardens. I guess they had been flown over. And um, they had a pagan worship ceremony in which there was an idol in the middle. It was um, originally it was it was uh, wondered if it was it was. Yeah, it's disturbing. You can can look up the pictures online. Just type in Amazon Synod idol worship or Pachamama, uh, P-A-C-H-A-M-M, sorry, M-A-M-A. Um, and so they had this ceremony where these, um, statues were in the middle. And at first some people didn't know exactly what these statues were, but it was of a, a naked woman who looks indigenous holding her, uh, pregnant, um, uh, belly. And, uh, that was the statues that were in the middle. The Amazonian people got in a circle around it. They started having this type of incense things and they were on their knees doing, uh, bowing and prostrating themselves before these, uh, statues. So at first people were like, are those Amazon idols? 
and um, people were saying, oh, it's not, it's not idols. It's, oh, it's just Our Lady of the Amazon. It's actually the Virgin Mary. Now, people just took one look, and it's like, that doesn't look like Mary at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a naked pregnant lady, and there's no baby Jesus. There's nothing there. She's just naked. And, and, um, and so they asked the Vatican uh, at some of the press conferences, Father Giacomo Coza, and also, um, I don't know if he's a priest or not, but Ruffini. They both said, both on different occasions said, uh, this does not represent, this is not an, a representation of the Virgin Mary, but it represents life and it represents the Amazon and the Amazonian people, which is like, I'm over it's it. an idol. It's an <laughs> idol still. <laughs> well, people researched into it and it has, bears great similarity to the Incan um, fertility goddess, mm. Pachamama. And so everyone started calling it Pachamama. And so this worship went on inside the Vatican Gardens, and um, people were like, "Why?" And the Pope was present at this pagan worship and this yeah. pagan ritual. Pope was there, and then a Pope couple was there. Bishops were there too, right? Cardinals were there. Some princes some of the church. Um, yeah, it, it was, and it caused a, a huge, um, a huge uproar. Um, here, I'll I'm going to show Kellen real quick the the idol just again. Um, so on the picture, it has Our Lady of Guadalupe on one side, and then it has a fertility um, statue, pagan idol, on the right side that is confirmed as a pagan ritual statue. And then we have the Pachamama statue of the Amazon Synod. It bears almost no resemblance to Doesn't the Doesn't look Virgin at all Mary. like Our Lady of Guadalupe. I am sorry, Our Lady of Guadalupe. That is a, a shame to you. You look way better than those statues, I'll tell you. Yeah, that. so I mean, the statues look... <clears throat> Very, very much pagan. And in fact, if you go on EWTN, uh, EWTN's um, YouTube channel, um, Dr. Matthew, is it Brunson? I can't remember his name. But he had a video with their one of their Brazilian correspondents who had basically figured out who was the originator of this idol that's being used in the Amazon. And this guy's from a the, the artist who made this um, idol is from a particular region and... Um, they worship Pachamama in that region, and it looks exactly like the idol. Um, and, and so it's this fertility pagan idol that was worshipped in the Vatican Gardens. And so people were very up in, up in arms about that and really, really just distraught. And in fact, after it was worshipped, they brought it into St. Peter's. It was in a canoe. They brought it into St. Peter's? Brought it into St. Peter's. Yeah, yeah right. picture. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And then after that, they brought it to Santa Maria Traspontina. In um in the Vatican, Santa Maria Trospantina. Yeah, so that particular church, which actually was built over a pagan temple, and now there's pagan idols that got brought back into it. Um, in fact, I believe there's some history with Traspontina. Um, yeah, regarding the pagan worship that was there, that there was some connection with Romulus and Remus there. I don't I don't remember like. If it was their mother's house or something like that, but it ended up becoming a pagan temple there. Um, and so, but of course, when the church came, we built over that pagan temple a Catholic church. Now, those idols were kept in Santa Maria Traspontina and kept in front of a side altar. You walked in the church and they kept those idols in front of a side altar, desecrating the, the church, right, with this these idols. Okay, well, the recent development, and this happened on the 20th of October, a man videotaped himself walking into Santa Maria Traspontina, took all of the idols that were there, walked out. This was really early morning. Walked to the Tiber River, 
and threw all the idols into the Tiber River. What a legend. <laughs> all right. And, uh, and the video went instantly viral. And, and uh, That's probably the majority of views. Catholics were, were very, very happy that that happened. Yeah. Um, it's probably just some old Italian dude that did it. <laughs> probably, yeah. He was just like, "I'm, I'm sick of this." I'm over and, this. and so, and then there was a whole another group of people who were like, "Oh, they're taking private property." The Vatican was definitely not happy about it, and um, people were saying, "Well, should he have done it? Should he have not have done it, or whatever?" I'm very much in support of it. <laughs> why? Why? Anybody in their right mind seeing this kind of stuff happening in the Vatican Gardens? Do you do you not expect somebody to come in? And take that stuff and just do something with it, throw it in the water. What what do you think's gonna happen? Yep. We're talking about the Rome, the Vaticano, right? Yeah. Vatican. This it's insane. How, it's, it's the in place where Peter was crucified upside down for confessing belief in Christ. And we're gonna allow pagans to worship there <laughs> and put idols in our churches. Saint Peter, pray for us. We really need him to pray for us. He's the one who confessed, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. The first one. And then he said to him, thou art Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will never prevail against you. And this is the successor of Peter, and he is the valid successor. He holds the, the papal throne, Pope Francis, who's allowing this idol worship to occur and for those idols to be placed in a Catholic church. Now, and then a Catholic man takes those idols and throws them into the river. And um, that's a very Catholic mm -hmm. thing, the destruction of idols. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a very, very Catholic that's thing. That's a really it, good point. I mean, point. it goes back to Moses. Yeah, it does. Think about Moses. So he goes up on the mountain and receives the tablets, the, the law, and he comes down the mountain, and what does he find? He finds the Israelites worshiping a golden calf and having an orgy at the bottom of this mountain. And he throws the, the tablets down and he, he makes Aaron melt down the golden calf and makes them drink the gold from the golden calf. I'm pretty sure. Jeez. And then he has the Levites slay 10,000 of the idolaters Oof, right there. Jeez. And then he has to give the Deuteronomy covenant because they broke, they broke the, the Sinai covenant already. What's the first commandment? I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods besides me. He who denies me before men, I will deny before my heavenly father. There it we, is. We can't allow it. And the fact that it got brought, look, you know, maybe there was a case if, you know, these people had these idols and they were off somewhere else and they worshiped them and we didn't really know about it. And there was like no way to, you know, intervene. And it wasn't really the place of the church to intervene in that type of thing because their pagans are outside. When those things get willfully brought into a Catholic church... I think it's free reign to just destroy those things. I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't think there'd be any sin in that. No, you're, all. you're like desecrating the holiness of the place. Yeah, and those are idols. They shouldn't mm. be worshipped. You shouldn't just bring them into a church. There were two, right? So one of them they said looked like Ma uh, Mary Magdalene. The other one was Mary, right? There, you said there were two idols, right? Sorry, they're like replications of the same idols. Yeah, it was the right. fertility yeah. goddess mm. Pachamama. Yeah, um, but they. They bore no resemblance to the saints. And in fact, the Vatican themselves have said, yeah, these are not the Virgin Mary. These are not saints. These are the Amazon statues. What the yeah. heck do you have them in there for anyways? Okay, go ahead, do it, but not in the Vatican. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't support it at all anyway. So. Right. But. So, I mean, yeah, the destruction of idols. Um, 
I think it's a, <sighs> yeah, this, this guy takes them out of the church of Santa Maria Traspontina, throws them into the Tiber. And, um, you know, I'm possibly publishing an article in the gauntlet, which is our Veritas publication. Check um, it out. It's legit. Yeah, Real yeah stuff. it's good. Um, but I mentioned St. Boniface, who he was the one who converted Germany. So he was sent by the Pope to convert Germany. And these German pagans had this, they still had a lot of pagan practices. And as he was trying to convert them, they were still reverting back to paganism. And to make sure that there was a definitive shift from paganism to Catholicism, you know, because the church has always taken paganism and, you know, destroyed the idols and then transformed that worship into the worship of, of God, right? Right. Because there's pagan elements that we we assimilated and then transformed for God. Now, there's other stuff you can't really assimilate, right? You, you can't assimilate their morality. You can't assimilate these other things. Okay, so the Germans had this huge oak tree that they worshipped called the, the Tree of Thor. One of their tree old, of Thor. Yeah, and it was this enormous oak tree that had been there for forever. Boniface, you know, and his, his clerical guard down. chops down the tree. <laughs> I don't know if you know about chopping down big trees. It takes a long time. Yeah, it does. They probably were sitting there like, what is he doing? <laughs> like, and Boniface is there in his holy garb, and he and he, they're they're like looking around like, oh, he's going to get struck by lightning. You know, yeah, something crazy yeah. is going to happen. He's going to die on the spot. It probably took him all day. Chopped down the, the tree. And you know what he did with the wood? He built a church to St. Peter. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. <laughs> took the wood and built a church to St. Peter out of that there. world. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it is. Dang. I should look that up. We should go visit. We should do that, yeah. Yeah, but that's Boniface, and they converted the Germans, right? And, and that's that's what has to happen. Now, Showing that now the time doable. where we have Rome, where, like, the conversion of the nations is to go forth, having idols there is just, I mean, I never thought I, I would ever see a day when that would happen. Well, I have a theory also, besides the barter one, that uh, the second coming is coming fast. Might be. I mean, look, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the, uh, how that's how Revelation is. Uh, a uh, Revelation ends rather. Um, it ends with uh, the Lord says, "I am coming soon," and then John says, "Amen, come, Lord Jesus." That's how Revelation ends, right? So, um, there's a haste to it. It's it's soon. It's always going to be soon. A time most unexpected. Yeah, exactly. And, and Christ says Himself, you know, be be. Uh, be watchful, for you neither know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. That is just so crazy. Just yeah. Think about it. We no one happened in the studio right now. Like Jesus comes down. Don't they say like he's going to come down like on some huge clouds or something? Uh, well, how, how, how are we going to see that from the, inside this studio? I mean, how no, are we going to no, no. do that? It's not we we don't know what it's going to look like. They well, it, it's based on Daniel seven's uh, the prophecies of Daniel seven, where the Son of Man comes on the clouds of heaven, but. You know, a lot of Protestants are kind of taking that way too literally. And it's like yeah, it the like, rapture, like we're all going to be caught up in the clouds and all that stuff. I think we're all going to, I'm going to make a prediction here. I think, <laughs> <laughs> a prediction. A prediction. All right. the coming of so God. what's the prediction? Right. World Series, coming of Christ, you know. Um, we got to get it all in here. I think it's going to be, when it happens, we're all going to like be in a solid state, just freeze. Like we're, our body's going to be frozen in ice. And we're just going to see a vision. We're all going to see our own vision of Christ. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> well, I hope it's not boring. It's, it's probably not boring. He's gonna be like, it's gonna be something cool. Probably die. I have a hot dog in my hand. Then Jesus is coming down, and Lord, mid, can I mid finish bite. my hot dog first? <laughs> mid bite. This is, a, this is a Frank's hot dog, man. World Series, dude. 
Nats up two games to none, man. They're 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 Alex Denley called a sweep for the Nationals. I don't know why he would do that, but I owe him a car, by the way, if you will. You, yep, you owe me a car. So a we car. were all in the group chat, and we were like, oh, you know, what's the World Series predictions? Mm-hmm. Uh, I it's said Astros and six. Astros and six. Another guy was Astros and five. Me. Nats, Nats and, and four. four. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was... I was semi-joking and semi-serious. Yeah. Like, I was pretty serious about it. I mean, after they, well, after they took the Dodgers, so far, yeah. after they took the Dodgers... I mean, they took the Dodgers, bro. Yeah, it's big. The Dodgers, they spent millions of dollars on yeah. their guys. Amazing pitching. I mean, we knew... Okay, so now, these last two games, who have they completely wrecked? Cole and, and Verlander. And, <laughs> and guess who they wrecked before? Kershaw. And, and uh, who else uh, on the Dodgers oh, rotation? Um, Wainwright for the for the Cardinals. Yeah, they, they took them Wainwright. to town. Yeah. Dodgers pitchers. Um, Dodgers have great pitchers, right? Clayton Think Kershaw. This. Yeah, Jin, Jin, uh, Ryu. Yeah, Ryu is a Ryu, great yeah. Think pitcher. About this. What happens if they blow out Granky too? <laughs> they, yeah, they that's a real possibility. They're going to they be at home. They blow out Cole. They blow out Verlander. They're like, at home. What? They're at home, bro. They're going to be at home in D.C. For three games. Three, not two. Three. Is that right? Three. They stay for three games? Two, three, two. So the last two games are in Houston, though. Oh, they're not going to make it to that. They're going to sweep them. I don't think so. I, if they sweep them, <laughs> if I they owe sweep you them, you owe me a car. I owe you a car, dude. <laughs> yeah, that was the other part. I said Nats and four, and then Kellen said, "Alex, if you if that's if that happens, I'm going to buy you a car. <laughs> I'm buying so, you a car. No one thought that was going to happen. If you looked on uh, the Vegas odds, it was plus twenty five hundred. <laughs> it was plus three hundred. Houston and six. Houston and six was the. Uh, How does it work? Like the closest to zero you get is the more close. It's to a, chance it's a hundred dollars. If you put in a hundred dollars, you get. Twenty five hundred dollars back if it's right. Oh, if it's Nats and if it's Nats and four. Okay. Yeah, and then it just so if you pick Astros and six, you get plus three hundred dollars because my best. Yeah. I I think the best right now would be Nats and five. I would put money on Nats and five, which probably yeah they might they might come back and um I can see when, the Astros, when do you yeah. when do you put back in Cole and um other guy they after give him at least one day they got to give him one day of rest oh well yeah they have i so, mean it's it's been cold oh, right right so it's been cole and now scherzer Verland- and verlander yeah so, cole so, and scherzer verlander and strasburg i don't think cole will come in till game five. four or five okay five, five. Game verlander five. no no cole will probably be four think verlander so. will be five because verlander was the pitch most recently right okay so you, so you think scherzer's going to be back on saturday i think they're going to put the same pitchers probably scherzer's coming back for, okay yeah how I many days think. rest is that because they when was the first game of world series uh was tuesday three days ago right that was tuesday wasn't it tuesday and wednesday yeah, it was tuesday yeah, it, was it was tuesday, tuesday and wednesday. wednesday yeah yeah so they started them on tuesday and they start them again on saturday mm-hmm. that's probably that's probably enough rest that's yeah that's probably four i mean they Valdez, are yeah, yeah. Scherzer's a little bit They older, gave him a... It was a heck of a performance by Scherzer, dude. man. Dude. Strasburg? Scherzer dude. and Straws, they get out they, of those... They get, they get out they of the get innings. They get out of them. And then that's they, where, that, that's that, where like Verlander and, and um, Cole couldn't... They couldn't get out of innings. Just, Cole could just, get out of more innings, but yeah, not, not Verlander. They just powered him up, dude. Yeah. I told you, you predicted it, too. I mean, Suzuki came up and just hit a bomb. I mean, Anyways. they're pitching, they're hitting, like... From second coming to baseball. <laughs> that was quite the transition. That was quite the transition. I have a hot dog, man. Dude, World Series. <laughs> dude, let's just, dude, let's go to DC. 
Seven thousand dollars. Yeah, we're looking at tickets. Any if anyone out there is looking for uh, some hot tickets at the, Uh, uh, might have to pay seven grand. You might have to pay seven grand. (laughs) I saw there are nosebleed tickets for one grand. You go to DC. (laughs) Look, great price. You're gonna get a great view from the nosebleed. I mean, you got to think too. It's World Series. There's, you're not going to get a better atmosphere than that. And people are, I, dude, I don't people are probably I don't losing their, all, people, are people are losing like, their minds probably in DC. In, in DC right now. Oh, dude, oh yeah, I'm in going Maryland. To DC over break, dude. Think about it. All World the, Series will be uh, over by then. Well, right? no, maybe not. Yeah, no, no, no. It, well, if, Game if Seven, it'll be. It, oh no, you're right. It yeah, I think it'll be. be um, yeah, I think it ends. There's a possible ends next four week. games left, and there's two in a game. Well. Actually, no, 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 no. Two it's games different. left. They're going to play Friday and Saturday. That'll be the World Series. Not sweep. Not sweep. Oh, it's going to be insane, dude. <laughs> they're going to be having parties there because it's the first ever World Series that they're going to have. It's the first ever World Series they've Appearance. ever been to, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so if Game 7 happens, it's Wednesday next week. So we'll still be here. <laughs> Shoot, so, man. yeah, this is the lineup Friday. They're playing at 8. Uh, game 4 is on Saturday. Oh, they're playing Sunday evening too, huh? They're playing Sunday? Three games in a row in Washington. Yeah, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Shoot, if it goes dude. to game five. If it goes to game six and seven, it's back in mm-hmm. in, uh, in Houston, and that's on Tuesday, Wednesday. So it's Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday would be all, all the rest of the games. Only three times in history has the team come back down from 2-0 and won the series. Only three times. Kansas City Royals did it once, or one of the Royals, maybe it wasn't Kansas, uh, Kansas, I don't know. And then the Yankees did it once, I think. And I mean, I there's one thing I do know. The momentum is all momentum is on literally Nats. everything. Momentum is all with the Nats yeah. right now. Like all with by the far. Astros have zero momentum. Zero. I mean, they their have two momentum. aces came at home and got smacked. And they yeah. got they got beat last yeah. game. It was ten to they did, three or something. They just got beat. They you just know, got beat. It's it's worse when you know you just got beat than if if yeah. and then if you got like Lost they like had to pull to Verlander, and they let up what six runs in that yeah. one inning. We were just going nuts. They were insane, dude. They just they hit they just had the bases on. They just hit, you know, hit after hit. But Strasburg prompted it all with getting out of that inning. I, you said it, dude. Kurt Suzuki came up and hit a bomb, and they just started going off. Yeah, and, and Suzuki people, hit people, again. People are like, same is inning. this really happening? Yeah, they scored two more runs when after we went to bed. That's right. Yeah, one twelve to three. Late. Scored four times as many runs as the Astros did in Houston. Come on, man. One in six runs in an inning. Yeah, because Straws Straws had two Straws had two guys on with one out. With one out, and he got and he got a pop up and a strike up. Strike. And they needed that bad. It was three to two. It was three to two. Suzuki walks up, bomb, and then they just they just wreck him the rest of the time. They pull Verlander. They put in some kid, and the guy just gets whacked i mean it just Jeez. hit after hit after hit after hit there was some errors i think bregman made some errors and stuff bregman the error that he did really started i forgot that all. one what was the Kurt error suzuki hit the home run yeah and then there were runners was there an error there was shortstop the runners were the, shortstop the bregman? runners were on the corners i think or was it for second and third i don't know one of them guy hits a blooper to just a ground ball to bregman and bounces and it was just i don't think i think it was just out of his reach Bobbled it, didn't even pick it up and throw it. And then, and and then I, uh, the third baseman, who's the th- no, is Bregman third base? I thought he was. I thought he was short or is he shortstop. Stop? I don't know. Who's third? Trying Somebody. I don't know. Yeah. But again, the ball got to Bregman, and he threw it. He tried to get the guy down the line. 
I think this is it. So we're watching the video now. So he throws the pitch. There's yeah. three guys on Bregman, with two outs. Right there. He couldn't pick Bregman, it up. oh yeah, he's the third baseman. Bobbles it twice. Bobbles it twice. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. So so you guys should definitely look this up. So there's there's two outs, three guys on, and it's bases loaded. There's a ball hit on the ground to middle between the third baseman and the shortstop. And uh, Bregman goes over to get it, and it hits his glove and it bounces out. And a run scores, and the guy gets on, no outs. And it's only 4-2 to two that point. And then the game just gets blown open. Six blown runs. Open, yeah. Six runs that inning. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that he could have been out. They ruled it a hit, too. Howie um, Kendrick, yeah. They ruled it a hit. I mean, it was a tough play. I mean, it's just a tough play. He was Yeah, Bregman is third base. And then Bregman had another ball hit to him. And he was charging up, and he threw it, and it went past the first baseman. Yeah. And he scored. Go to that one. It was So they ruled it a hit because it was just far enough from, away from Bregman that he could just get his glove on it, but he yeah. couldn't handle it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, rough. Really rough for him. And that was enough for the Nats to really just rally. And then who came up after that? And he just, like, Another guy, hit guy the ball screamed the ball. It was, it was, Ryan it was down the line, right? Wasn't Ryan it down Zimmerman the line? hit the right down the line to Zimmerman. Yeah. Or to, to, to Bregman, and Bregman over. Look that one up too. So I don't remember what exactly what it was, but Zimmerman hit a just a little. He swung full, and you know there's some of those that just come off the bat at the end. And they're just a little blooper, right? Just a little dribble down the third base line, and Bregman couldn't handle it, and he threw it, and not only couldn't he, he threw it wide, and that scored another run. He yeah, was such a desperate. Maybe he was thinking, oh shoot, I didn't get the last one. I should make up for it on this one, but. Turned out bad for him. Yeah, it's just <laughs> rough for the Astros, but that that goes to show you, you put it on the ground. I mean, you you just got to get the ball in play, and yeah. and it seemed like Houston was getting the ball in play and getting into good spots, and they're just hitting. Yeah, they were just hitting. They yeah. they had the number, you know. Yep. And it wasn't like Cole or Verlander didn't have their stuff. I mean, both of them seemed they, to they, have their stuff. They look, yeah, they, they look, look fine. good. Yeah. They look good. They just they let up a few pitches, you know. I think Verlander got taken yard a few times. Did he get taken yard one time? Suzuki hit went yard Suzuki. and they took him out. Oh, that's right. They, that? Yeah, Suzuki went yard yeah. first. That's what led the inning because it was 2-2. Yep. Yeah, no, it's been a crazy series th- so far. Well, like, it's, a more sho- it's more shocking than anything. Yeah, that the Nats are this good. They went from literally being... They could have lost that game to the Brewers in the wild card. Yeah. It was really close. Against it was like Hader, the, it was like pitcher. 3-1, right? It was 3-1, and they had two guys on, and they got a blooper into the outfield that scored two. And the right fielder. they Oh, it went past say, the right fielder, well, yeah. They say that it, they went past him, yeah. and he just jogged to it. Yep. And then scored another one. I have no idea what that, they should have. I would have fired him. Yeah. Because it looked clearly blatant that he didn't even try. And they lost the game because of it. Mm-hmm. A little providential there. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's right. It was hit to the right fielder. He missed it. Three guys scored, right? One it one of three guys. Yeah, he cleared the bases. That's what it was. Yeah, there's guys on first and. Or wait a minute. I'm trying to remember now. Was it bases? No, because it wasn't a. It wasn't an infield home run, but there was, or maybe it was three to three to two or something. It was three to. I don't remember. Anyways, two. I think it, it got past the right fielder, scored. and they ended up. Yeah, they ended up going up, and they ended up winning the game, and then they beat the Dodgers. Crazy. In five games, went to when the they beat series. the Dodgers, I was like. Yeah, they're going to the World Series. And then I was like, they beat the Dodgers. They have a shot at winning this whole thing. And then when they massacred the Cardinals. Remember we were watching that? We were just like, this isn't even a game. That was the, the night. That was your birthday night. At least we didn't give up 10 runs in the first inning. 
yeah, the Cardinals, I remember watching them and just the difference mm-hmm. in talent was just palpable. I mean, you could just see it. I had no idea because who'd the Cardinals beat to get there? They Braves. Beat, they beat the Braves. They beat the, right. Braves. the Braves were good, too. The Braves I think were they good. won their division. The Cardinals could not handle they just, the Nats. They gave up 10 runs. Yeah. In like game four or something That's, in the man, first Man, baseball, inning. you can't predict anything at this point. I mean, nope. the fact that the, the Nats went all the way through, no one was seeing that coming. And they just got hot. They've been hitting, and their pitching has been phenomenal. Scherzer came out there and gave him a wonderful performance. And uh, he's thirty-five. Strasburg's pretty old too, isn't Stra- he? I think Strasburg's like thirty-two or something. Yeah, I mean he's not—he's not as old. Um, but Scherzer, these guys have been around. I love it when they mic up Scherzer. You can hear him go. Ugh, yeah, he's—he's. Uh, he's, you know, he's definitely uh, a vet. He's a vet. Yeah, he's aged thirty-five. Yeah. He's from, from Missouri. Um, Strasburg. Probably pretty old, too. Mm, let's 30, see. 31. 31. Yeah, hey, he's from Sandy. <laughs> he's from San Diego? Yeah, he's from San Diego, Dang. yeah. Alex Stanley, everybody from San Diego. San, San Diego, Diego bro. I wonder where we went to high school. You should check Did he play at San out. Diego State? Is there, hey, is there a La Jolla High? Played at San Diego State, yeah. There's a little Hoya High. Is that like where all the rich kids go? Where did go? he go? He went to West Hills. Where's West Hills? Uh, oh, it's in Santee. Oh, oh, he's from Santee. That's cool. Is that where all the rich Anyways. kids go? La Jolla? Like La Jolla Yeah, it's, it's pretty It's pretty up there. Dr. Seuss is from La Jolla. I don't know if you know Are you that. serious? Yeah. Um, getting trippy out in the... <laughs> it's a beautiful place. Everybody go to La Jolla in San Diego. Dude. America's best, most beautiful city. I I I, I agree with that. Yeah, and there's no, there. NorCal doesn't compare to that, but yeah, straws, man. And then the next pitchers, the next lineup is Grinky and um, Sanchez. What's his name? No, who? Grinky. Yeah, but uh, the pitcher Sanchez, for yeah, it is Sanchez. Yeah, I think it's Sanchez. Yeah, uh, pitchers World Series. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I think Grinky's. I think Grinky's the better pitcher, but they're at home in Washington. We'll see what happens. Yeah, let's see. Uh, why do they have it? World Series, um, tomorrow. Yeah, because I think it's the other guy has a, a higher ERA, but uh, the guy for the Nats. Yeah, Granky's been around. Who did he play for before? Who did he play for? He played for the Dodgers. Is that right? Played for the Dodgers. Played for the Diamondbacks. Okay. I think he originally started with the Diamondbacks. Hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, they have Corbin as well in the Nationals, who's who came in for relieving, but he's not going to be starting. Yeah, uh, he'll probably come in and relieve uh, this game. I think we'll see. Baseball probable pitchers. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, Anibal Sanchez. He's going to make his second career World Series start, huh? Dang. So he's he's pitched before. He's been with somebody else. Yeah. As a member of the Tigers in 2012. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Let me see a against photo the Giants. Of him. Let me see a photo of him. Yeah, Sanchez. This guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's been he's been around. He's 18 and 5 with a 2.93 ERA. That's Bro. pretty good. 18 Not gonna lie. And five. Not gonna lie. Did who did Cranky played for somebody else? He played for the Dodgers and he played for the Diamondbacks. Oh, that's right. He played for the Dodgers. Yep. He was with them recently, right? Yep. Um Oh, he's with the, the Dodgers and the Diving Backs. Okay. Uh, he won the Cy Young in 2009. Not surprised. <laughs> Not surprised. 
Yeah, Dodgers from 2013 to 2015, Diamondbacks to the 2019. He just got, I guess he got traded this year. Yeah. Um, he won the Cy Young 2009, uh, five-time Gold Glove, All Star. Should be interesting. We'll we'll, we'll see. Um, we'll see how he does. Um, I'm telling you, it's it's just it seems like the Nats hitting. They just make those adjustments. They yeah. they feel out the pitchers, right? There's something. There's, there's some, something there. It's like a coach, Soto coach separation. There's he's the better coach because he knows in game, in the middle of the game, what adjustments I have to make. You saw. You remember how after each, each time, like the Nationals got runs or scored, they always went to the coach of the of the Astros, just looking at his paper, clueless. Yeah. Because he's like, what know the what heck do. do I do? Yeah. So they're they're just hitting everything. You know, uh, it's really fun watching Soto, so, which is funny because Soto is actually younger than, younger than me. Us. Yeah, it's younger than both of us. He's born October 25th, 1998. That is unbelievable. Which is unbelievable. He's Republic. younger, younger than both of us. Um, oh and he's batting cleanup in the World Series and for the Nationals and, and smashing. I mean, he's just smashing. He's crushing the ball. I think he went three for four last game, uh, game one. And then he got a bunch of hits. Last game, too. I think he went two for four or something like that. Like, he's just, yeah. I mean, the cover's coming off the ball. He's smacking it so hard. And he had one down the line, didn't he? Last game, something like that. Anyways. Yeah, he had something. Yeah. It's been a really impressive uh, World Series so far for the Nats. Let's um, not jinx it, though, because the Astros are that good. They are that good, too. So, they are that good. I'm nothing, telling you, the momentum thing is, it's huge. It's huge, though, yeah. And the Nats, the Nats know that they can go a little bit, a little bit, you know, picking up the pace, and then they can just rip it off, right? Yeah. Which is how they did it in game one. That's how they did it in game two. It's like the sleeping giant. And if the Astros come out strong, you know, they just they got to get something going. They've had too many runners just left on base. You can't rely on because because in both games, there's been runs in the first inning, I think. And then both teams go quiet. The Astros stay quiet, and the Nationals just boom it. I mean, we're talking. They scored two runs in the in the uh, in the first inning. They score six in the seventh. It's like what? Yep. They just pick it up, dude. They're trying the whole time, but like they just find there's something clicks in those late innings that they just go off. Yeah. The the Astros are like, what do we do? Like, what do we? We're throwing everything. We threw Verlander at him. We threw Cole at him. What the heck are we supposed to do? Cole's got a what 91, 91 mile an hour curveball. I think drops like five drops foot a second. Like, it's like pew, gone. Jeez. Yeah, and then they've they've even been hitting the curveball pretty well. And I mean, Verlander was pretty. Yeah, he was pretty he, dominant. I mean, he only gave up three runs. He was he pretty gave dominant. Up three runs. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was um, expecting in fact, to do better. I think I, I wish they would have kept him in that inning. I mean, if if I was, I always prefer. This is always what I prefer. Maybe it's because I pitch for so long. I always prefer letting a pitcher finish the inning. Even if you I, think you have I better hate matchups, it when they take pitchers out, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. You know, someone with statistics is gonna be like, "Oh, well, you do better if you take them out at this point in time and stuff." Look, man, pitchers. Once you get in a zone, even if your arms getting a little bit sore, like it, it takes a while for a pitcher to get used to pitching the game, like a feel of the crowd, the feel of what he's doing, the feel of where what he's feeling and where the strike zone is and everything, like. Uh, for just giving the ball to a reliever mid-inning 
and just having them come in. I mean, I've done it in, in high school and stuff, and you come in, you relieve and stuff. It's just a whole different feel than when you've started a game and you've like you yeah. you felt it out. Yeah. You, you know, if they if they have your number and they're just crushing you, then yeah, pull them. Yeah. But if it's like, oh, you got a home run hit against you, it's like yeah. Just leave the guy in. He made a yeah. mistake. He made a bad pitch. Whatever. Or the or the guy who's hitting just had a good hit. Yeah. Leave him in. It's Verlander. They yeah. should have left him in that inning. I think seventh they inning. They should have yeah. left him in. Didn't leave him in. Let up six runs. Coaches have yeah. You know you're right. And coaches have this thing where they want to be safe. They want to play it safe. You don't play it safe by taking out your starter, dummy. Yeah. If he's going. If he's fine, keep him Verlander in. Verlander was not happy. You could tell. No one. No mad. one wants to come out of the he game with that, right? Yeah. Because. And also, like, it leaves a bad it, taste in your mouth. Like, you gave up a home run. You don't have the lead anymore. Yeah. But you know you're still dominant. Like, yeah, you can stupid. still you can still get out of the inning. That's what these elite pitchers can do. And that was the difference between the Nats' approach to the pitching and because they left Scherzer and they left Strasburg in, even when they had right, and the, people and the that Astros were hitting didn't. on them, and the Astros didn't. Yeah. They both got out of the the inning. The Dodgers did the same thing when they were playing against the the Nats. The Dodgers. They had their starting pitcher or whatever, and they pulled him like in the sixth or seventh inning. And he still had a lot more pitches to go and uh, put in this new guy, and the new guy just gets wrecked, and then they get a new just guy in there, and they just they just keep switching around pitchers. It's like it gets worse every time. It's like like old school baseball. Just keep your guy in there, you know. Stop making all these like, oh, well, he's a lefty and he's a right-handed hitter and stuff. Maybe I don't know baseball not well enough, but for me, look, just leave your guy in, let him do his thing. Stop trying to like fit a pitcher with a hitter and all these different things like it's not gonna it's a gamble and it's not a one-to-one you get this type of pitcher with this type of hitter you're gonna strike him out and stuff like it's it's a way more complex than that now just keep your guy in i don't know i get so frustrated that they just pull people out well there was another time too remember when i think it was against the cardinals or something when there the pitcher was going fine (laughs) and you called it. it was so funny I don't know what team it was or what pitcher, but they took the guy out, and he's like, this is going to backfire, man. This is going to backfire. They hit, like, three home runs or something, and they just rock the guy. I told you, Kellen. And it happens, though. It happens, yeah. They, get, they, they bring in a pitcher that is not feeling out the game. He's not on the mound physically. He's in the bullpen just warming up. You don't have that feel like you talked about, so... Pulling a guy mid inning, you need to you you need to do it when he's getting just getting terrible. You know, people are just hitting him super easy and stuff. Then you pull a guy mid inning. He let up a home run. You just don't pull a guy mid inning, in my opinion. You leave him in until he gets himself in a mess, unless you can like really tell he doesn't have his stuff or whatever else. If he's looking all right and he makes one mistake, just keep him in because. Coming in mid-inning as a reliever is, is tough on the reliever, too, because you're in a bad position, and then you have to adapt to what you're doing and then go for it right then. Yeah. And when as a reliever, when you come in at the beginning of an inning, you're <clears> like, okay, I'm in next inning. You can kind of mentally prep. You get to warm up before, you know, and then you get going, you start the inning, and it's fresh. So... Yeah, like let, let the destined. guy finish an inning. Yeah, let the guy like, finish an inning. Almost like this is destined for the Nationals just to blow him out the next two games. I w- think about that if, if that happens. They beat him like seven to one and eight to two or something. The next we two have games. really had a year of underdog victories. Oh yeah, this year oh, the yeah. Raptors, the freaking yeah. Raptors, yeah. won the whole thing, yeah. the NBA Finals, yeah. 
against Golden State Warriors. Yeah, that was that was an underdog win. I mean, Huge underdog win. Yeah, the St. Louis Blues beat the won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, they beat the Boston Bruins in Game Seven man. against the in Bruins Boston. in Boston. Jeez, Boston played like crap that game, but sorry, any Boston the Blues. Here. Blues, St. dude. Blues. <clears throat> I went to a race in St. Louis, that race I talked to you about, and the guys raised the Stanley Cup like right in front of me. It was so cool. Soft and the biggest underdog, the Super Bowl, the Patriots won again. Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all waiting for the Patriots to... You know, I can't wait for the day where we just like look at the Patriots and they're as bad as the Dolphins are right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like we see like so, the Dolphins Brady, blow out. His time's coming to an end, but... I mean, how soon? I mean... They're gonna like replace all of his limbs and like all of his organs yeah. with like <laughs> super superhuman stuff. Tom Brady 2.0. Yeah, exactly. They're just gonna upgrade him. Yeah, you know, up in Boston, they're gonna put him with all this Boston dynamic robot stuff. <laughs> it's gonna be bionic, bionic Brady, and uh, uh, Belichick's gonna remain there for eternity, right? And uh, and Boston's just gonna continue to, yeah. They'll, they'll see what happens. More but. Dunkin' Donuts, more uh, Pate, uh, Pats football, Bionic Brady. Bionic Brady. All the deflated footballs you can get <laughs> <laughs> for free. You know. Uh, Closing we're just, out. We're, we're waiting for that day. I'm ready for the day the Pats are going to be as bad as the Dolphins. Yeah. Quote we're me all, on that. We're so all waiting me. for it. Closing out on the sports section, we're just going to finish up on last thing with the Synod. I think it's a Catholic's duty to go get those idols and throw them in the water i think that's a catholic's duty revolutionary bro this is revolutionary okay? well it's more like counter-revolutionary well counter-revolutionary fair. you know there's but, people trying to push revolution and the guy's like bro we're catholic we don't yeah, do idols <laughs> <laughs> we don't do idols simple I don't, I don't know how you would say that in italian bro non facciamo i don't know how to say idols i, I don't think there's a i don't know if there's a word for idols mm. out of fake figures i don't know the persone idolatraria. Yeah, <laughs> idolatry. I'm look that up. Um, yeah, you exactly. Know, you just but, you but don't like, you don't deal with it. But but it's it's more than just it's more than just uh, saying that it shouldn't be done. You need to take action too, like that yeah. guy did. Mm. Well, he doesn't speak a word of English, but <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, the fact that there was so much positive reaction to it was was very encouraging. I mean, it, it does show like, and in fact, a lot of it's American. Um, there's a lot of Americans who are are like, look, we gotta like stand up for what it means to be Catholic and. Um, non adoriamo li odili. We do not. Odili. Li odili. We do not adore okay. the idols. Yeah, that's <clears> good. So. No, you shouldn't. Um, it's not. It's not. A, it's not something that you. I mean, this has escalated enough already. But it's. It's. I feel like it's only going to get worse. That's just my opinion. <clears throat> What's the solution? What's the solution, Alex? What do we do? Preghiere, pray. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. Yeah. I mean, Christ is reigning. He is ruling, and um, thundering heaven with prayers is. Uh, yeah, that's the solution. Our own holiness in our own lives, receiving the sacraments in a state of grace and uh, praying and going to mass and praying the daily rosary. The rosary is huge. Pray your rosary. Rosary is very big. Super <clears throat> huge. It's what Our Lady of Fatima asks us to do is pray the rosary and fast on behalf of sinners mm -hmm. and ourselves and the world and for the church. 
and uh, yeah, and then speak the truth. As we've said, Dude. always, always say the truth and don't hide it away just to, you know, play nice with people and uh, to get along. Uh, because when you preach the truth, that could really touch people. And when you don't, you're lying to yourself and you're lying to God and you're lying to other people as to what the truth is. So always speaking the truth. And uh, yeah, if you're doing that, you're, you're living praying. within the Catholic, you know, you're living the, the, the faith, the, living the faith. And that man that went in there that, and did that was living the faith. He understood that that's that's not good. Why would you worship an idol? In the Vatican. Why? It, just because these are indigenous people doesn't mean you bring idols into the Vatican. You don't, you don't worship their culture in the most holiest of places in the world, okay? Yeah. I don't give a crap if it's their culture. It's not what you do. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's not something that you, you praise and worship. Like, in the most holiest of places, you just don't do that. It's not something that... It's not something that you should even consider. I mean, this is holy ground, right? I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to desecrate the holy ground by. And it's such a great, such a great point. And I going back to what was the bishop's name that that said, "It's such a small region. Why are we holding a big synod?" Cardinal Brandmuller. Cardinal Brandmuller. Statements like that stick. Right. They do. Mm -hmm. You cannot deny that statement. Pope Francis probably has it in the back of his head all the time. Cardinal Brandmuller says, "Where's he from, by the way? Germany." I think so, yeah. So he says, why are we having this big synod for a small region in the Amazon? That statement, it's like a fact. It's like it sticks around. People aren't going to forget that. It's going right. to be there always. Truth prevails. Truth prevails. It does. It always does. Like Word. Just like Thomas More when he stood up against <clears throat> you know, the corrupt king and said, well, I'm not drawing a direct analogy, obviously. Yeah. Um, but... I'm just saying with saying the truth. Thomas More, um, he said, I'm not going to sign this document making the king the head of the Church of England and um, went to court and lost his head because of it because he fought for the rights of the church because he was a Catholic, fought for truth. Had this long, drawn-out case and um, they beheaded him because of it for treason. But what was the rights? It was the rights of the church. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna wrap on that uh, on that on that solid note that uh, we should be praying and and doing good things in our lives and and you know pray the rosary. Do do we just got to keep con continuing what we're doing as Catholics? No matter what's going on, we gotta keep doing our job and keep pushing along. And um, we'll end on that. So we'll see. Uh, we'll say uh, Saint Michael, Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. battle. Be our, be our protection, protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. devil. May God, God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, Prince of Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next Thursday.